Peter introduced us to our series, uh, you can go to the next slide, um, Between Two Worlds that you guys have seen on the back of all our t-shirts all semester. Um, and yeah, this series, we're living in this in-between phase. Um, and the title for this talk is Between Two Worlds, Life for Us. That this is what all of this is about. This is life for us. That's the point. God desires life for us. Uh, but in order to understand even what I'm talking about, I want to go back to the beginning, before the already, not yet. Um, and I want to put ourselves in, in this story. Um, so I, I want to do a little timeline of, um, of the biblical story. But first, I don't know if you guys grew up like in English class kind of plotting like the plot of a story, if y'all have ever done that. So we're going to do the biblical story, but thought at first I thought we'd quickly start with something fun. We're going to start with, um, with the Lion King. Yeah, you can go, I guess, two on. Um, that's actually a rejected shirt design uh, that we almost went with. Uh, but, but I actually, I do like this. I, I meant to say something about this. I like this because it does capture um, in an image what we're talking about when we mean between two worlds, right? We're leaving something that is broken, that uh, needs redeeming, and we're entering into something that is flourishing, that is full of life, that is flowing. Uh, I mean, literally, uh, there are rivers flowing through, um, through the new heavens and the new earth. All right, we can go on. The Lion King, we all know the Lion King. We can go on the next one. So if we boil down the Lion King into five acts, this is my best attempt. Um, if you guys aren't familiar with the Lion King, I'm very sorry, you had a sad childhood. Um, but you guys may be familiar. So the first plot point I would say is that the king dies, right? Mufasa is betrayed by his brother. He dies. Um, and then his son, Simba, is exiled. So he goes off, hangs out with Timon and Pumbaa. They sing lots of songs. Uh, he grows up and everything. And then this middle point is this remember who you are, if y'all remember that story. And so uh, Rafiki, kind of like the seer character, comes to him and is like, hey, remember, like, you're the king. You are capable of taking this evil king, overthrowing him, moving on, right? Uh, next thing, the usurper dies, and then the king is crowned. So that's the Lion King in five acts. Boom. Now we're going to go on to the biblical story. And so I stole this from N.T. Wright, didn't come up with this, but he uh, is a New Testament scholar, and he likes to think of it as the biblical story, or I've said our story, in six acts. And I really like this because I think it, it's helpful just to get a flow of what is this story, how do these themes interplay and interweave throughout this thing. So the first thing is we've got creation, right? God creates the heavens and the earth. Um, Everything is made, it is good, um, and then very quickly we have the fall. Mankind, we have fallen, uh, we fall short of the glory of God, um, and we see, and again, and, and in this, in God's story, we only get a few chapters in between those things. And then we see Israel, which is, we're starting to see God's story of redemption plan out. All right, mankind, we have messed up, and yet God is already at work fixing this thing for us, right? So it starts off by uh, God revealing himself to Abraham, and so he says, like, I'm going to bless you uh, through your line. I'm going to bless all nations. All people are going to be blessed through you. 
Um, and so we see all along God reveals himself to his people again and again and tells them, hey, be set apart, live differently. And then he makes them lots of promises, right? Um, he tells them that he's going to come back and he tells them that he's going to put his spirit in them. Uh, that's a big deal. And then we get Jesus, finally the Messiah. There's prophecies about the Messiah as well. Finally the Messiah comes. And this, um, this is the moment that everything changes, right? Jesus comes, he lives, he does his ministry, he dies. Um, and what we live is this interesting thing called the church, right? And it started when Jesus rose from the grave, right? So from that moment forward, the Holy Spirit was poured out and everything started to change uh, because not only had the Messiah come, but the promised, uh, the promised fulfillment of this story was starting to spill out from heaven into the earth. And, and again, church may not be the best word for it, um, but I like it because that's our part in this story, right? It started 2,000 years ago. The Holy Spirit came, and we read in the book of Acts all of these exciting things that the Holy Spirit comes, and then they're just excited. They're overflowing with this story. Let's tell everyone. Let's go to the ends of the earth. And, um, and Acts is so cool. It kind of goes through this um, this little, um, it's organized thematically. So at first, what we see is the gospel is going to the Jews. And then we start seeing it goes to the Gentiles. And then the, kind of the last few chapters of Acts, we start seeing, oh no, it's going to the ends of the earth. It's not just for the ancient Near East. It's for everyone, all peoples, every nation, and every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. And so that's so many exciting things going on here. Um, and then we've got the sixth act which is the future, right? We haven't gotten there. I called it Zion because that's kind of what would fit the best. Uh, but new heavens and new earth, what we're eventually moving towards. So, so what does this mean for you and me? I'm oh, sorry. I've skipped my notes a little bit. There we go, there we go. All right, yeah, we're going to go on to, um, to the first of these quadrants. Um, yeah, we can go on to the next one. So this is one of those quadrants that we looked at blown up, and you guys all read these different ones. And, and there's a phrase I think Peter used last week, already not yet. And that describes just this interesting place that we find ourselves in, right? Um, I, I think something of note is all of those passages that you guys read were all written by the same dude, Paul, uh, and they were all, oh, about half of them even occur in the same book uh, and sometimes even the same chapter. And so Paul is, has not forgotten you know, one paragraph later, what he just wrote, right? The, I, I don't think that there is meant to be a, uh, I don't know, Paul got it wrong, you know, there's some sort of textual weird thing going on here. No, Paul knew what he was writing here, and we're living in this tension, right? You have already been adopted in Christ, you know, so the spirit you received um, brought you about your adoption, and then we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship. It's already not yet. Has it happened? Is it happening? Yes, all of it, all at once. We're living in this in-between place. 
there is some discomfort here. The next one, um, already redeemed in Christ. The spirit you received. Um, uh, yeah, okay, cool. You were redeemed in Christ. In him we have redemption, sealed for the day of redemption. Again, two different parts of Ephesians. Um, yeah, it uses this language. We have it already, but then it's also been promised. It's been sealed. It's been protected for you for when we eventually get there. The next one we get to, um, we've been sanctified in Christ. So 1 Corinthians, to those sanctified in in Christ Jesus. This is actually just part of his, um, his greeting to, uh, to the church. And then not yet sanctified, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Again, we're entering into this tension. Then finally, already raised with Christ, uh, raised up with him and seated uh, us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And then we get in 1 Corinthians, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. So we've got a lot going on here. Again, we live in this in-between time. But what I want to say is, my point with all this is that the future has already been set in motion. We live in this present age, but we have been stamped with eternity. We have the first marks of the world that we're about to enter into. It's begun its work in us. It started. It's not over yet. It's not f finished. Um, but, but this is how the biblical writers describe it, right? This is just, I think this is them describing what they were experiencing. The good news has come. God has entered into this world, and it's not over yet. God is on the move. The Holy Spirit has come. The time is upon us, but it's not done yet. And so as we live here, the question I want to ask is, what does this mean for you and me? What, what do we do with this? How do we live in this present world? Uh, next week, we're going to ask, what does this mean for others? But yeah, the question, what does this mean for you and me? So this story, again, is about God bringing light and life to the cosmos, God is not con chiefly concerned with good or bad, but about life. So I want to take a, a moment and uh, look at a story we're probably all familiar with. Uh, the woman caught in adultery at John 8. Uh, we're not going to put it up there. I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit. Um, you know, but the story goes, um, the Pharisees, teacher of the law, come to Jesus and they say, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? And uh, if you've probably read the story, you know they're trying to trap him and catch him. And Jesus says, well, let any of you who is without sin to be the first to throw a stone at her. And I think we all know how the story goes. Jesus then, being the only sinless person, picks up the stone and throws it at her. Right? And then, again, being the only sinless person and surrounded by lots of sinners, he proceeds to pick up more stones and throw them at all of them, hitting them all square on the head. No, that's not, not the story at all, right? Um, but I think that that is what a God who is interested in right and wrong primarily would have done, right? All right, sure. You guys are sinners, got it. Less in time, let's go. Boom. 
But that's not our God. And they might have even deserved it, right? But that's not what God did. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus says, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And then it tells us they went away. They dispersed. They slowly left because they knew when Jesus quoted Deuteronomy that they were not without sin. And then Jesus uh, turns to the woman and says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. I think if God was concerned with good and evil, primarily, that story would be so different. But that's who we think that God is, right? That's how we tend to think of him, that he's kind of a rule keeper God. You know, Jesus would have agreed. He would have stoned them all. But Jesus loves this woman. He forgave her. He wants better for her. Jesus desires life for this woman, and he desires life for you, and he desires life for me. He said, your past sins don't define you. Go and live differently. Go and live differently. And here's my point here. You can go to the next one. That God wants you to live your best life, even if you don't. God wants you to live your best life, even if you don't. All right, so when our culture says live your best life, what do they mean? Yeah, that's good. What else? What else? <laughs> yeah, sell your soul. Kind of sometimes it's become obsessed with whatever, working out, uh, being the best football player, whatever. To obsess yourself with that because, you know, and sacrifice your friendships along the way because it's all in pursuit of that thing that you really need, right? It, anything else? Travel, yeah, that's a big one, especially for my millennials. Man, we are obsessed with traveling. That is the way to the kingdom of heaven here on earth right now. Uh, any, anything else? Self-idolization, yeah. We become completely obsessed with ourselves because it's really all about us anyway, right? That's the point, is that we're all God's special snowflakes uh, and we should just live selfishly. No, uh, we're, we're gonna get, anything else? Yeah, sex, pleasure, whatever it is that you want to do, have at it, right? That, that's what we hear, live your best life. But that, that's not what I mean. See, and I'm stealing some of this from uh, Dr. Lee, if y'all went to winter retreat, um, unashamedly. But yeah, God really desires what's best for you, but you just might not have a clue what that is yet. And that is the rub here, is when God is offering you something that is ultimately in your best interest, sometimes we look at that and we say, that is not what I want. Uh, I see this a lot with my daughter, Evelyn. So she is two years old. And uh, I get this a lot when it's time to go to bed. So around 7 p.m. every night, it is time to go to bed. Um, and usually, you know, the last hour or two, we let her, you know, watch some TV. Or, and, but the pleading and the begging, like, uh, she, she says this, um, uh, she, she has this line, uh, I just want to watch a little bit. Uh, just a little bit, and, and it'll keep like going the whole time, you know, for just 10 more minutes, just 20 more minutes, just a little bit. I just want to watch a little bit, and it's so cute. It makes me laugh every time she says it, but 
ultimately, I know if I let you stay up all night long, you're going to be a complete gremlin in the morning, right? You need your 12 hours, and she does sleep 12 hours, which is amazing, but she needs that sleep because she's two years old and her body's growing, and if she doesn't, she's going to be cranky. Um, I know what is in her best interest. It's going to bed on time. That will lead to her flourishing and having fun during the day, but all she sees is, I don't want to go to bed. We're having fun. We're awake, you know, and the pleading and the moaning and the weeping and, I mean, gnashing of teeth uh, <laughs> when we're trying to go to bed, you know, and it's just this, this whole song and dance. Um, yeah, it's the same thing with, with watching TV right now with her. Um, we, were, we were sick for kind of two months straight, and so we started watching TV a lot because she was kind of miserable. But we're not planning on living in that state our whole, where we just kind of watch TV. And, you know, and she had a few days, you know, she had COVID, she had RSV, a couple different viruses where it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, you're sick. You're just going to sit on the couch. You're going to watch TV. But that's not how we're going to live our lives. Uh, but now she'll wake up, you know, and we're a few weeks into detox from that lifestyle now that we're not sick anymore. And again, just the weeping and the gnashing of the teeth that I would dare take away Paw Patrol from her, right? Like, uh, and I feel, I don't know if y'all have seen Lord of the Rings, uh, there's, there's this scene early on that's just burned into my memory, um, and uh, Bilbo has this ring, and this ring is evil, and it's literally destroying him, and it destroys everyone who touches it. And uh, his friend, Gandalf the wizard, is trying to say, like, give away this awful thing. You know, give it up. Like, let's give it to, uh, to your nephew. He can bear this thing. And you see uh, his, friend, his friend Bilbo turn and be like, what, you want it for yourself. You're trying, and, you know, and so his cogs start worrying, like, you're wanting this. And, and you just see Gandalf snaps him out of it, and he says, Bilbo Baggins, I am not trying to rob you. I am trying to help you. And I feel that almost every time I try and take something away from my daughter, uh, often when it's something food-related that she should not be eating that's not actually food, maybe it's a leaf or something, you know, and she looks at me in disgust. I'm like, I'm not trying to rob you. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to take away something that is going to lead you to destruction. And I think that's probably how God feels. Like, are you kidding me right now? Like, you really want that thing? Like, that thing's going to destroy you. Again, and I think this is how Dr. Lee put it, sometimes God is for you even when you're not. Even when we're obsessed with the thing that's leading us to destruction, God is still for us. Uh, it's like so many of us with our smartphones, right? Uh, we think just a little bit of poison is going to be okay. And then, you know, we start at 11 p.m. and it's 2 a.m. now and we've just been doom scrolling this whole time uh, on whatever your personal poison is. Um, and it's not good for us, right? And if someone were to reach out their hand to you, as my, my wife will sometimes do, or if it's late, she'll be like, it's time to come to bed. Like, you need to go to bed because you're just going to lay there. And you're going to be mad at yourself in the morning that you did this, right? But all of us were like, no, thank you. I would, I would like to do this. 
And, and I think it's funny when it comes to smartphones, but it's so much more dark and depressing when it comes to our sin. You know, I, I, I think about one of my friends um, who we both kind of grew up uh, together, uh, both in church, and then uh, both of us kind of came back to Jesus at the same time and joined core and started studying the Bible and getting serious about our faith. Um, and at a certain point, I didn't find out all the details till years later when we reconnected, um, but he felt like God was trying to tell him to break up with his girlfriend. And he didn't want to do that, you know? And he ran away and um, didn't really pursue God for years. And so I, I caught up with him years later. We'd, our lives had gone in very different paths. And, and we'd both, I mean, we'd been friends who, um, we'd been smoking a lot of weed together. This is like my freshman year. We're, you know, trying different drugs, doing different things, and then both kind of had Jesus moments at the same time. And it was like, all right, here's this new path that we can go down. And we both started pursuing it, and then he kind of took a left turn. Um, but yeah, it's just sad watching, and I've seen this in my own life, I've seen this in, in lots of other people's lives, we have these moments, these decisions, where when, God, when, what, when what God is offering us doesn't sound like good news to us. When what he's offering us, which I think is actual freedom, um, you know, I mean, not to go into all the details, but that relationship ended in fireworks and some abuse, and what, it, it was just a disaster. What God was trying to offer my friend was freedom from all of that, and he turned it down. And, you know, luckily that's not the end of his story. That was just those years. So, you know, there is a good news to that. But, again, God doesn't want or desire for us to go through these things, right? We have the option. We have the cho choice to choose life. God is for us. This is the good news. This is uh, what it's like living in this in-between phase. The light has come good news has poured into this world, and there is a different way that we can live. God wants us to live our best life, even if we don't. And, and that's where all of, this, um, all of this already not yet stuff turns from theory to practice. Because of this story, we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit, and God has begun starting to make things new, starting with us. I wanted to look at Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 2, this is 1 through 5, and it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live. You used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. So again, even in that passage, again, we're seeing this already not yet. Um, you were dead, and, and yet God, Christ has already done something. He has made us alive. He has transformed us. 
He's saying, you guys used to be that way. You once were like this, but now you're different. Now you have a whole new identity. So be different. Don't be stuck in your own ways. Don't continue on in the ways that you used to live. You have freedom. You have something exciting. You have a new path before you. Choose it. Go down that road. God is for you. He wants to bless you. He wants you to go down that way. Proverbs 26, 11 uh, puts this a bit savagely. It says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. And that is us so many times, right? It's like I made the joke about my smartphone, and I know I'm going to struggle tonight to not doom scroll late at night, right? Like, I know my foolishness, and yet we just continue on in these things, sins big and small. Yeah, this is us, but it doesn't have to be, and that's the good news here. We don't have to be repeating the same mistake again and again. We have something new offered to us. I wanted to also bring in a passage uh, from C.S. Lewis, um, because you have to read some C.S. Lewis. Um, and he, he said, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. And like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday by the sea, we are far too easily pleased. And I think he gets it, right? That's, that's us. We think that what we see before us, what we listed off is like, all right, yeah, what does this mean to live your best life? right? Yeah, it's these things. It's sex. It's money. It's whatever I've seen on TikTok or Instagram or whatever. These are the things that will fulfill me and bring me life. And yeah, Lewis is making the point, we're far too easily pleased. There is something better out there. And, and again, our, our, if our identity is different, we can embrace it. We're still going to mess up. We're still going to sin. But God already knows that, and he already forgave you for that, right? So I want to challenge us to live differently because God is for us, even when we're not. He loves us. And so um, because of this story, again, I want to encourage us to be all in with God. If this is true, if God is really this good, if he's really this loving, if he's really this gracious, then it is time, I think, for us to take this seriously. Um, if this story is true, it's not something that we can turn our backs on. It will change everything. If it's true. If it's true, it, it completely is going to reshape how we live, right? I, I want to read um, another little passage from James 7, or James 7, there is no James 7, James 4, verses 7 to 8, yeah, Uh, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you, come near to God and he will come near to you, wash your hands you sinners and purify your hearts you double-minded, and I love at the end he says double-minded, because I think that captures again where we live, right, we've got two paths offered, two 
different worlds we could choose to live in, two different stories we could choose to be a part of, right? We've, I told you guys about the Lion King story, and I told you guys about the biblical story, and here's all these things, here's what it's doing, here's where it's going, here's the story of redemption. And, um, and we get to choose which one we want to be a part of. Do we want to be a part of the worldly story, the one that everyone else is seeing and being enamored with, or do we want to decide that this is the real one, that this is the one that we're going to stake our claim on? So, yeah, if you guys want to bow your heads with me, um, I want to pray and transition our time. Father, I ask that you would be among us this day. I ask that you would help us as we, um, as we take some time in a second to give and to discuss. I ask that you would help us remember what story that we're a part of. I ask that you would help us count the cost of what story we actually want to join in with. Um, and I ask that you would help us really pursue and follow you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So in a second, we're going to take a moment and... Uh, and discuss a little bit after this. Uh, but first, I, I think something that flows through all of this, that flows from this story, is this act of giving, is this act of investing. Because that's what we're doing here, right? Um, and, and so, yeah, in a second, we're going to pass our baskets. And, and I was... I guess I'll say this first so I don't forget. Um, David asked uh, that as we pass, please don't like turn off the phones if you're using like the little Zettel. I know it's like, you're like, oh yeah, I'm done with it, click. Uh, but then someone has to come in and like put a code in. Um, so yeah, hopefully that makes sense. Um, but yeah, what we're doing here in this time of investing in, this, in the vision is investing in God's story, right? We're investing in this campus ministry here at UT Dallas. We're allowing uh, us as a ministry to send people to winter retreat, uh, to pay for these different outreaches and things that were going on, and to even help pay for some of our staff costs. Um, that's what we're doing here. I think sometimes we can get in funky places when we forget the story. That's kind of why I wanted to take all of that time um, earlier today and, uh, and kind of go through the biblical story because I think if we lose track of what story we're a part of, we get in weird places, right? Um, I don't know, I, I came across a, no a news story last week that just kind of broke me. It was just sad and uh, I was just crying out to God. That doesn't normally happen uh, to me, but it, you know, it was a story, something that happened to a two-year-old, and that really struck a nerve with me. Um, and so I was trying out to God, but then I, you know, I was like, I should do something. You know, your, your mind starts worrying, oh, I should do something. I should fix this injustice. And then my mind went to, but this is what we're doing. This is what we're a part of here at UTD. We are the light of the world, fixing the injustices of the world. Yes, I'm not fixing that very specific issue, but we are a part of that. And again, that is what we're giving to today. So yeah, if you guys want to pass the baskets, um, and yeah, I'll, I'll pray for our offering real fast and then introduce our next um, our activity. Lord, I just ask that you, again, would be amongst us as we prepare to give, and uh, yeah, that you would bless us. In your holy name we pray.
Amen. So yeah, I've got two questions for us. Um, and this is where we're going to end our kind of um, speaking time tonight with these two. So yeah, where do you struggle to believe that God wants to bring life? That could be life for you. That could be life for the cosmos, right? God wants life for you and everything else. And then are there areas where God may be calling you to live differently? So yeah, we're going to take about 10 minutes and then Jessica will come back up and transition us.